Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Trio Podcast. It is me, your host, Anna. And with me, I have quite a few people, more than usual. Let's start with Jackie. Hi, I'm Jackie. Hello, I'm Divine. Right. Hi, I'm Aubrey. Hi, I'm Allie. So Allie and Aubrey are our special guests for this uh, week's episode of Women's International Month. Is it Women International Women History Month? That's a good question. Yes. yes. What is both it? Both. <laughs> History or international? Just Women's. Women's Month. Somebody ask Google. Google? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you could tell us a little bit more about yourselves. I'm in... I'm a mechanical engineering major okay. and a dra- with a drafting minor, and I will be transferring to University of Michigan come this fall, actually. Oh, so you're Ooh. leaving us already. Mm-hmm. Oh, sad. I just met you. <laughs> I'm a chemistry major who's hoping to transfer to the um, Texas Tech School of Pharmacy here probably next year, and I'm a student worker up at the Vet Center. Oh, wow. So you're, like, super smart. No. No? <laughs> Chemistry is, like, one of the smartest things you can major in. Not me. Yeah, it's kicking my butt. Oof. I mean, passion is passion. <laughs> Gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I have a question for Allie. Why Michigan? University of Michigan has one of the best mechanical engineering programs, particularly for oh. mechanical uh, manufacturing. That's... Plus, my partners live there. And... Mm. It's a very safe place. Oh, because of the career. That it's one of the top tier schools. That safe. It's cold. I miss the snow. No, the devil no. powder can stay away. <laughs> I can't drive in the snow. I was born in Maine. Mm, interesting. What brings you over here to Texas? I originally came to Texas for the veterans' health system. Oh. oh. Okay. I was Navy. Oh. I was Army. Oh. What is the uh, difference? Um, she know. drowns and I get stuck in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Is that on have it where you from? The Fed Center? That's different qualities of service that, um, Starting me on a rant about the veterans health system mm. is that's a to put it like simply the more vets there are somewhere the better the health system is and there are a lot of vets in Texas. Yeah, I've seen around because of work. Yeah. So and uh that was actually one of I believe it was Bush Seniors things. It was either Bush Senior or Bush Junior. I remember what which one of it was when he was doing his uh governorship of making it a big deal to make Texas, a big sanctuary for veterans' health and veterans' care, that that has since fallen by the wayside a bit, but a lot of that infrastructure is still in place. Mm-hmm. So, to this day, Texas has one of the better veterans' health systems. The system itself is still kind of working in progress. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. I see. I see. I, I, I'm not a veteran, so I don't really know much yeah, about this we, stuff. I don't really know. Yeah, and I, Ricardo is the one who, like, really introduced me of how, like, bad it is, like, for in other places. Yeah, um, 
Everywhere has their own reputation. There are certain places you just try to avoid. Where I was was one of the major basing areas, and its veterans health system was incredibly overloaded. That we're talking six months to a year for a basic appointment. Wow. Oh. Whereas here, it's... Only about three months? About, you know, three months, a couple weeks, depending on what you're going after. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a major difference. Wow. So I can see why you moved to yeah. Texas now. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, and I had family in the area. Oh. Uh, family's always good. All right, let's start with one of the questions we have provided by Ricardo, our scriptwriter. So what are some women in history that have inspired you? Tough question, yeah, yeah. for the start. <laughs> How real do they need to be? I mean, no, just, just in general. Um, it can also yeah. be, like, Disney-wise. There we go. Like, mm-hmm. one of my big ones has always been Eowyn from Lord of the Rings because, like, I, the movies kind of did her dirty. Like in the book, she's like so much more badass. Same, but there's there's a certain shared kind of experience there as uh, what and then yeah, military but, women that we both have a very strong affection for Aon. And then for me, a lot like Mary Curie and um, Amelia Earnhardt, and just like mm-hmm. I love explorers. I love scientists. It's fun to just. See them basically say, you. I, sorry, it's basically say, I can do this too. <laughs> yes, yes. Hey, I don't know any of those. You don't know? What no. about, no, uh, no women, like, in just in your life, in personal oh, life. It can be I was like, commenting on there. Oh. So I don't know any of them. Yeah, I haven't watched Lord of the Rings. I have it more of The Hobbit, oh, but then it was like, yeah. that was a while back for me. But I have been wanting to read the books. They're Get really the good. Read the books. They're really good. Just yeah, for both of them. Don't give up when it seems I hate like reading. you'll be walking forever. Because they do. Oh, but then I they get places. <laughs> have you tried audiobooks? No. Anything reading. I hate oh. reading. It's that... like, I don't understand it. Oh. Like, I'm reading. I like watching stuff. Yeah, I totally Then I know you. what's going on. You should try them. Um, they're like drama audiobooks. So, like, everyone has their own voice actor. And they're, like, really into oh, it. Oh, I've heard. Like, some of them are yeah. great. Yeah, that's yeah, a like, thing now. Yeah, they're, some of them are really, really good. Mm-hmm. That it's almost a play. Yeah, Ooh. it's like listening to a play. Mm-hmm. That it's a real rebirth of, like, radio drama. Mm-hmm. Oh, I might start getting into, into that. Yeah, they'll have, like, sound effects and stuff. So, like, if there's a thunderstorm in the book, it'll be raining. <laughs> yeah, that, and it's... That and yes, that it's a lot of people do have a hard time with reading. Mm-hmm. That it's not as accessible due yeah. to just the way our school systems are run and how how we're exposed to reading mm-hmm. and a lot of bad experiences like being forced to read. So yes. audiobooks that that's a great way to experience a lot of these really mm-hmm. fantastic stories and and a lot of them are by very like you can like. There's a lot of really good books by a lot of good people. Like even just the Harry Potter books. Um, there's the ones by I'm completely blanking on her name, but like Throne of Glass book series is really good. There's a lot of really strong women writer who have wrote really good books. Mm-hmm. That was just a good place to go and start and read. Wow. Yeah, I have memories of being forced to read, God, so mm-hmm. that's why I haven't picked it up. And yeah. That- that is a lot of people's experience mm-hmm. with reading is that 
read Great Expectations, mm. which it doesn't help that Great Expectations is kind of a really bad book. <laughs> is it actually? Yeah. That, like, uh, I love reading. Reading is like one of my major escapes. I constantly read. I despise Dickens. <laughs> Dickens does not translate well to a modern audience. That mm, yeah. the way he writes, the way his tropes work, it's horrible. It's so forcing students in high school to read Great Expectations, it's just going to shoot their love of reading in the foot. I've never read that yeah, book. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think yeah, never I've, read Yeah, no. Oh, I have I had, never. I, I had to read it in high school. Um, yeah. Um, I think it depends also where like where you're like at state wise. There's I, definitely some of that. And then like also just like different levels of reading. Like sometimes they'll push books that are like honestly a little too like like when you try and push like eighth grade books on tenth graders, they're not gonna get interested in it. Yeah. It's boring. It's below them. They'll read it and it's like whatever, I'm going mm. off. But the thing about books is there are billions of books written if you can't find a like a strat a couple of books that you like you're not trying mm. um, me i just feel like you know english is not my first language or my second language so when i'm reading a book it's like i don't understand anything that's going on oh i totally get that mm. and so i hate reading that that is i don't want to say a unique problem I mean, but I it's a very english, it's a very understandable yeah, yeah it's a very understandable no, problem totally that. Like, yeah that's yeah, it's it's more about finding the right place to start, whether it's mm. cute books about like tribal cats that live out in the wild. It oh does exist. It's called it's called the um, wild cats. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, like wild cats. Wild. And they like they like live out in the wild. With, yeah. Like four tribes, like earth tribe, water tribe, fire tribe and stuff. And they just do cat things. It's really cute. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of oh that. Oh, my gosh. It's so cute, though. But yeah, there's all sorts of good stuff out mm -hmm. there. It's just it's it's finding it is the difficult part. All right, let's move on to the next question. So, what are y'all's um, thought processes, or what do y'all think about women's standards and stereotypes? I know recently we've been like trying to be all body positive, with like Lizzo being like really open about her experiences and like her brand with Yiddy, that like has brought up a whole bunch of like body positivity in. Like, social media. people come in every shape and size. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, having standards and stereotypes is stupid because, like, also, like, make clothes for everyone because I'm six foot and it's really hard to find clothes. Six foot? Uh, yes. Wow. I guess like, you struggle wearing uh, jeans. Yes. <laughs> it is a struggle. Like, mm -hmm. half the time I have to shop in, like, the men's skinny jeans sections. Mm -hmm. They do have pockets, which is the amazing part. Yes. Pockets. Oh my gosh, the pockets. All a woman wants is something that starts with a P and ends with an S. And it's pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard what I said. <laughs> no, no, no. I think yes. I said that pretty too low. No, I didn't. He, he was. I said, I think I said so. Answer too low. Okay, stereotypes. I've been a woman. I hate this generation. Why? Like, they have, like, these standards. Like, oh, my body got to look like this. My mm. body got to look like that. And all of these are, like, surgeries. Yeah, these are old standards. These are standards that people that, like, they don't live to, like, these are standards set by people who are dead. Mm. Or, at this point, are socially acceptable to be 700 pounds. 
stop making standards for me if they don't hold to you. Yes. But then it's not just here, it's worldwide. Like some culture in Africa, it's like a woman has to do this in order to get married. Oh, like really? You have to look big. That means you're healthy. Oh, you have to look skinny, about. meaning you take care of yourself. So, like, I don't know what country it is in Africa, but like, if you're big, there's a tribe that do those. If um, you're big, like, women has to be big and fat yeah. for mm. them to find a husband. That means they eat good and they're healthy. They have like those like camps they send them to to eat like 10,000 calories a day. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. I think it's Mali. I never it's knew that. Yeah. Oh, Africa has a lot of standards, yeah. women's mm-hmm. standards. Um, there is more tribal variation in Africa than all the rest of the world combined. Africa is the main one. Mm-hmm. With women, like to find a husband is hard. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? Like they make you cut your lip. And you pull like this plate thing inside your lips, the, and you open oh, it out. Okay. The bigger your lips is, you also have the one where they put the breast like yes, rings around the neck. Yes, if you have a longer neck, then yeah, it's easy for you to find a husband. Wow! In my tradition, my tradition, I don't know. I was telling you, Ricardo, a woman. If a woman goes to school, the higher education you have, the more chance of you bringing more money to your family. Mm. Yeah. So if you go to school as a woman, the the man that's going to marry you is going to pay a lot of money. To your parents, girl. Yeah. She said, "You see me here. <laughs> <laughs> you really think I want to go to school? I'm doing this because of my parents. Oof. For us, yeah. The girl. My, uh, my for Hispanics, it's more mm-hmm. like you have to have big boobs, big ass to Ooh, be. Yeah, that, I feel like that's Americanized. No, but it's like it's, based on the guy standards. It's more drastic yeah. in yeah. Hispanic culture. Yeah. yeah, like Brazil is one of the worst about that. Yeah, yeah." Like, you have to be skinny, skinny waist, and everything else big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm queer. I operate on, di- I operate on different stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> it's what all about personality. stereotypes? That it's personalities mm. and... Same here. Uh, that, yes, there's aesthetics, and but that's not anywhere near as important as personality personality and compatibilities and you know role that type of thing is far more important and because a big chunk of queer communities is about breaking aesthetic boundaries to begin Mm -hmm. with you end up with you know pink hair lots of piercings and Mm -hmm. abnormal fashions like you go out of the box just to be put in another box basically but it's a box that i picked yeah, true. That's a big part. And that and that's a really big thing is that, yeah, it might be a box. It's a box I picked. Mm. Say louder to the people in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some single moms or dancing moms, soccer moms. Any type of mom. Any type of moms. Because yeah. they're all important. Any type of moms. Any type of moms. I know you're a mom. Who? You. You. I know you. I'm a single mom. I'm a soccer mom. And I am a dance mom. Hey. I'm actually all of them. Any of y'all got kids? No. How many? I got two. How old? How old are they? Uh, my eldest is seven, and my youngest is gonna turn four. Oh. She turns four next month. My oldest is. Well, my one and only. <laughs> my eldest. <laughs> He's four. He's gonna be five in August. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cute. How does it feel to be a mom going to school? Well, it's a balance. Balancing things with my ex is always a thing. 
but you know that's making the best of it. Mm. And it is very adorable doing homework at the same time as my son. I hate it. I think it's cute. It's cute, but it's annoying. <laughs> that oh, that I thought it was adorable. Whenever I was, uh, I was taking uh, one of. I think I was taking algebra. Uh, what grade is he or her? He's in second. No, he's in first right now. First. But uh, I was taking algebra. And uh, he was doing, you know, kindergarten math. And, you know, he's sitting next to me doing kindergarten math. And I'm doing algebra. And he's trying to help me. <laughs> and it was so adorable. And it was just like, oh, buddy. It's like, you're trying so hard. You don't have any experiences like that with your son? No, my kid is in pre-K. Oh, pre-K. So the only thing he do is bring me pictures that he drew. That's all. Oh. That's very important, though. Yeah. Do you put him in the fridge and like hang him up and tell him how much you love him? Are you gonna have mm-hmm. a little scrapbook? Yes, yes, she does. No, I don't. <laughs> you don't? I really don't. He put it in my room, but like, do you not have a box? No. <gasps> like, get you're a not scrap- even starting. Yeah. Like, what you can do is you can get a scrapbook and then like put them all in the scrapbook. You put it in like I don't know what it is in like English. if you don't want to put like, it somewhere. I don't know what it's called in English. If, like, you don't want to have it, like, all up over the walls and stuff, get, like, a scrapbook and, like, put them all in there. something mm-hmm. like this. But and just go through exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, and then so you have cute. it forever, so when he's older, you can embarrass him. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm a child. Oh, and you know what happened yesterday? I think I was telling you about him going to the dentist with my dad. My dad don't speak English, so they had took out his teeth without my permission. No. So I called him today. They was like... Well, he asked for it. I said, what my son is for? I asked him for teeth. He said, because I had it. Mm. I was like, oh, they're going to take so it So we added a crown? Four of them. Because you're real. Oh, you see? <laughs> That's not cute. <laughs> what was in that position? You and mom, how would you feel? Mm. My mom mm. was telling me that I'm overreacting. No, I'd be, in, I'd be incredibly angry. See, I told my parents, they was like, well, you don't take him to the dentist, so... Why are you worried? I was like, what you mean? These people are just, they didn't put it in because they don't care. They only put it in because they're taking, they're getting paid more. Mm. And so they was like, well, whatever. Go back and take it out. I, like, I will. I will because I don't like it. Yeah, that there's consents and controls and best practice. So let's talk about wage gaps. You and your eyes. I think it was for Hispanic women. It was point. Thir- it was like thirty cents, I believe it was. Back in the day, or like now. I don't know now, but like back in the day, it was thirty cents per hour, per like per, per dollar. Um, the thirty cents on the dollar. So that's like what it 30, is. For every dollar, thirty cents less. Yeah, thirty cents less. Yeah. For every dollar earned, that. She would earn seventy cents. Yeah, there you go. I couldn't phrase it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing a paper. I think I think it was over a woman's pay wage. Or not I read an article for sociology mm-hmm. saying that Sears Sears had, Sears was the first corporation to like involve like women hiring women. Really? Yeah. And now they're bankrupt. bankrupt. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're gone. Oh, no. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's less about their hiring practices and more about the fact that they didn't adapt to the internet. Mm. Yeah. Why did they go bankrupt then? Did they stop? Oh, them? like they just didn't adjust to the oh. internet. So yeah, that, you know, that, that th- their heyday, you know, is the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, and then you start getting the 80s, you know, that you they start transit that we start the transition towards electronics and we start the transition towards companies like Amazon and online purchasing. Sears really struggled with that transition and they collapsed because of it. So Sears could have been like the Amazon that we have. Yes, that they were Amazon, like Amazon point. One, yeah, they were so the, like the beta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they were Amazon before Amazon. Wow, but less, like, less, a little less evil, but still, you know. But the whole like wage gap really just started even back then, honestly, because like at, at a certain point, it wasn't only one person, only one person in the household would work, and then if the wife went to work, mm-hmm. it would be supplemental income, so they would pay them less, and. We, for some reason, we haven't gotten fully out of that mindset that, like, anyone who's working needs to be paid the same to do the same job, mm-hmm. regardless of the situation. Plus, livable wage, like, yeah. part-time, though, you should be able to afford a house. Yeah. Or apartment, at least. I mean, when two people have to work two jobs each just to pay rent, mm-hmm. we have a big problem. Yes. And that you have also another problem of that predating a lot of women's relation movements that the kinds of work that women got Mm -hmm. that it was you had made work you had that it was domestic domestic work you had uh tutor work secretarial work and a lot of these positions and jobs were looked down upon Mm. and that they were considered lesser that it's incredibly telling that some of the very first computer programmers were women. Huh. That the very first computer programmer, Ada Lovelace, that she developed, you know, algorithms and some of the very first algorithmic systems, Mm -hmm. that it was all on punch cards for a mechanical monstrosity called the difference engine. But she's first programmer and that that tradition of women being programmers continued because it was considered lesser work this wasn't the engineering work this was that you're doing simple maths and equations that this is women's work mm. that this would continue you know even into the space program that the pro- the computers that uh controlled the apollo rocket systems those were programmed by women there's oh yeah, the, the movie, the yeah. movie, yeah. Well, I was so inspired with that. I like recently watched it because I was like, everyone's talking about this. I should watch it, and I was like, I didn't know this was happening. Like they were like literally computers. They were so good with math. I like, mm-hmm. and like the fact that they were like, oh, are you sure those numbers are correct? Just because she's a woman, like, like she's there to like double check your work. Like you should trust her. But I guess the mm-hmm. mindset was just so different back then the term calculator what we call calculators those little you know computers Mm -hmm. that was originally a job role that was mostly filled by women oh yeah it's all i think being a calculator as a woman that'd be kind of it should be the pay rate should be yes like high Mm -hmm. but it wasn't you know that it wasn't considered skilled labor 
It is now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that it's that tradition of, oh, women do lesser work. Mm. So you don't get the same kind of wages. And now that you also that you also have to account for that the variance in field, because when you start talking about wage gaps in the broad spectrum that in the aggregate, then it's you start discussing the distribution of jobs because you still have a lot of women being drawn to care industries and domestic mm-hmm. industries, a lot of women in teaching fields, a lot of women in nursing, a lot of women in fields that are traditionally lower paid. Mm-hmm. And the higher paid jobs are still generally dominated by men. And that it's, you know, men in STEM, that mm-hmm. it's trying to get women into STEM industries. And part of the problem with that is STEM industries are kind of hostile. <laughs> It is getting better, though. I saw something that says the most recent batch of, like, doctors, like, 53% of them were women. Mm-hmm. So it is impro- we're getting there. We're getting it getting is improving. There. It's improving slowly, and it's an iterative process. More women are becoming engineers. More women are going towards these higher-paying jobs. And it's improving, but it's improving slowly. Mm. Like, I was able to change my major to, what is it? Environmental engineer. And then I was like, you know, we'll stick with nursing. <laughs> don't, 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 don't try to do it. No, nursing. here's the thing. I want to oh, actually be a marine biologist. So I'm going trying to see if I can get my nursing and then be a BSN, then be a nurse anesthesia, then get out of that, work my way towards getting my marine biologist certificate or whatever I need. So, yeah. The, oh, I love that. Mm, brain biology is so cool. That, yeah. Uh, any particular specializations or? Um, I don't know yet because obviously I barely know like the term marine biologist. Obviously, mm-hmm. I like the ocean. I went to Florida this last summer, so it was pretty cool. And I actually saw them work on like turtle, tur- sea turtle nests. They're like, oh yeah, this hatched so and so day, and I was like, oh, that's the day I was on my way over here. Like we couldn't have gone oh. here faster. So, yeah, that's what happened when I was over there. Hmm. So let's continue and talk about um, women veterans and the hidden trans women in infantry roles. There are a lot of women veterans Mm -hmm. that I'm actually the daughter of a woman veteran that my mother that my mother served. I served that my mother was actually one of the very first women in a combat squadron that this is during the Cold War, though that so combat squadron Squadron was a little bit looser term because Mm -hmm. that she was doing anti-submarine patrols over the arctic so that was you know it was a combat squadron in a you know cold war so it was kind of different my grandma was in the coast guard so coasties are awesome i I know i'm supposed to talk smack about them but still coasties (laughs) are actually really someone has to jump the puddles someone has to go fight a hurricane (laughs) insane people yeah Absolutely insane people. But yeah, that when veterans are all over the place. Always there's always like this when I hear veterans, it's always like in my my head it immediately just like men pop up. Yeah. And like same it's definitely held that way because it's like shown that way in commercials most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's always these six like ridiculously fit people of guys running down this obstacle course. And it's like, yeah, no one looks like that. 
And yeah, then no one ever does. No one looks like that. Like we're normal people. And then the ads. I see like, you. It's okay. And then the <laughs> ads where you're Corman. You don't count. You're not people. <laughs> we're talking about Ricardo, you guys. <laughs> oh, you're trying to shove off. And then the commercials were like they're like asking to um, share a certain percent, like give a certain percent percentage to disabled veterans. They're all guys and they don't show a woman. Like that's kind of they yeah they're always pushing. See the military has this brand though that they have to like keep and maintain. So they're mm-hmm. always going to push super fit, super good looking people to the front. Like half the time they're paid actors. They're not even military. Yeah. So, like, I I understand why they're doing it, but they don't show all of the background people who go mm. into the work. For every one person on the front line, there's 37 people behind him making sure that he has everything he needs. He has his air support. He has his food. He has his equipment, everything he needs to do his job. And a lot of those roles are filled by women, women who do their job well. Like, I know plenty of women who are in aviation, like while we were there, we fixed aircraft. We put we put bullets in the guns for the aircraft. We did all of this to per, to let our pilots make sure that that guy on the ground was protected. Mm. There's thousands of people who just kind of get glossed over. Everything that you see that is put out about the military is in some way a type of propaganda. Mm. So seeing all of the background stuff that seeing the greasy the greasy women with our coveralls pulled halfway off in an engine room up to our elbows in a oil strainer i'm not speaking from experience at all on that it's women maintaining engines in engine room spaces women maintaining women doing administration roles women doing pretty much every other role that you could possibly think of in addition to the actual combat roles mm. Yes, there is a lot of pushback towards women in frontline infantry, but women pilots, women sailors, women... MPs who ride with the convoys out the wire anyway. Like when I was in basic, one of my drill sergeants was a MP and she did convoys in Iraq. She got blown up. She was badass. Yeah. Wow. She, like, what do you mean by she got... Like she died? No, no. Oh, but like her convoy like, got blown up and oh. like... She was a total badass. She tells all these cool stories. And, like, she ran 10 miles before she came into work every morning. I swear oh. she was insane. Oh, oh. must be nice. I uh, wish like, I was I that I would fit. love to hear about, like, like yeah. women in, like, military roles. It's just, yeah. like, so inspiring. Like, yeah, like, women combat construction men. The battlefield has changed. Mm-hmm. Now it's more about information and quick, short missions. Peop- anyone can Anyone can now do these jobs. As long as you're fit enough. It's not about being a man or a woman. It's about how fit are you? Can you get out there and get back? That's all that matters. Mm. And there's a big strong argument to be made of that it was never about if you're a man or a woman. That historically, if you start going back, women in arm in, that in armed conflict has always been a thing. Mm. That Soviet Union had full integrated service. So back further than that, like the Mongols and stuff women and men both rode to war because they could like you go through history you find most of the time it didn't matter yeah that women have always been a part of armed conflict Mm -hmm. and trying to deny that is a massive disservice to women then and women now 
Mm. Yeah, because I don't know. It's just getting me angry, like just hearing it. And I'd like, this is like, like new to me because I, you know, I'm not a veteran. I only hear it from Ricardo and he's like, yeah, don't join. And that's all I get. <laughs> you know? Sound advice. Sound advice. <laughs> like, I would, like, it's just so sad to just, like, just because a gender, like, you don't get to be uh, acknowledged or, like, respected just like like it should just be you meet the requirements so you get to do the job exactly can like, you do the job can you do the job well if like i don't care what who anyone is mm-hmm. if you do the job and you do the job well you're a good soldier that's yeah. all there is to it that and that should just be all the, uh, yeah a little while before we get even more mad okay <laughs> queer theory what is it queer theory is a that's kind of a That's a concept of a way to frame ideas and a way to look at queer issues in a context of, you know, feminist theory? Yeah. Love that. Okay. That feminist theory of of the ideas of feminism and women's rights and women's movements and women's liberation, that is, that queer theory is that for the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Okay. And it's actually intrinsically interlocked. With, with feminism? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With women's rights. That women's rights, minority rights, and queer rights are all interlocked with each other. That it's called intersectionality. And that it's actually really important when you're discussing the history of women's liberation to discuss the other two as well. Because they're in, interlocked, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, a, it's really important, particularly right now, to remember that. Because there's a there's a lot of things going with the government and the LGBTQ community, and yeah, that <laughs> topic that's yeah, I mean that, a lot of it at the base. All these groups fought for their rights, and they realized that the more people there are, the stronger their voices are. So they mm-hmm. all got together and worked together to get, make sure that we have the rights that we have today. Mm-hmm. United, you stand together. Divided you can be picked apart. Mm. It's very important to remember that kind of intersectionality when you're discussing that. Mm. And that's why it's very important to remember the idea of queer theory and minority theory when talking about feminist theory, mm. which is an important thing to remember in women's history. Yeah. How has social language evolved? And what males, what makes... <laughs> okay instead of mouth what makes it difficult to understand oh social language oh that's mm, that's a topic near and dear to my heart what do you mean by social language is it like pronouns or that that is a type of social language yeah pronouns that how we use pronouns how we discuss things that is social language that yes we all speak english but the way that we speak English is not the same way that we spoke English 10 years ago, five years ago, or even three years ago. A really easy to understand uh, social language concept is referential memes that making meme references with your friends and not having to say the context for that of just being able to say the reference, Mm -hmm. that is a type of social language. But in the context of like, you know, women's history and feminist theory and uh, that it's the way that we can describe things has changed and evolved. 
that the way that we can say that we have a wage gap, that mm -hmm. wage gap, that is a bit of social language, that that is a piece of evolved social language so, that we can say that now, that we can describe things with that mm -hmm. now. So like something triggering, like for like you said, mm -hmm. like that wage gaps. That yeah. is a piece of, yeah. that triggering is a piece of social language. So like anything like, like would, for example, like, It would be like anything that triggers someone. Would that be no? That it's a way of describing, and it's a way of it's how our language is used to talk about issues, and it's how our language is used to move around these subjects. That how to that how to talk about things of how to like from a historical context of like one of the, like an interesting like tieback is historically that there were a lot of women that ran off to join the military in the past. That, you know, cut my hair off, bind my chest, and I'm going to go put on a uniform and join up. Mulan. Yeah, Mulan. Okay. And this happened a lot, like, during the Civil War, this happened a lot. Yeah. And the Civil War is actually a really good example of this because it's, you could get away with it because poor medical records, but we have the records of it because we were starting to write things down and those records survived. And there's a couple of these individuals that after the war was over... They never grew their hair back out. They never started to go by their original feminine name anymore. And they just kept presenting as a guy. I never knew that. And mm. uh, the modern social language would be like, that's a that's a trans man. But the because of the time period and because of their social language, that they didn't have the social language to describe that. So... You can't say perfectly definitively that, yes, he was a trans man, but by all historical accounts of that to the day he died, he insisted that he was a man and that absolutely insisted on it and would pull a gun on you if he said otherwise. Oh, okay. That I believe the yeah. gentleman's name was Albert... Albert Kasher. Albert Kasher. Yeah. That, that was that particular individual that... And another one for explaining like the different that a more closer difference for like how social language changes is another really important individual as uh, a woman by the name of Marsha P. Johnson. That if you know anything about queer history, that she's widely considered the woman that threw the first brick at Stonewall. What's like is it a figure of language? You see, this is how you know I suck at English. No, Stone, Stonewall was a riot. <laughs> Stonewall oh, okay. was a riot. I did not know that. You see? That, uh, you, you know Pride Month? Yeah. That Pride Month is the anniversary of the Stonewall riots. Oh. That's why you occasionally see the slogan, Pride is a riot. That's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that Pride is a riot, and that's why. But... Marsha, that Marsha, that individual, that she styled herself as a drag queen. Oh. But she lived full time that way. As a full, as a drag queen. Mm hmm. To the point of that it's, it's not a costume. It's not oh. a. Oh. So it was her personality. It was like who it was she her. Was. Like it was mm -hmm. like. Yeah, she it became likes. her personality. Yeah. And that's our modern social language would say that. She's a trans woman. Yeah. That the social language at the time did not. 
and that, that makes muddled argument makes muddled discussions when you're discussing that and that's why social language and knowing what social language is and how it changes is really important mm. but yeah Marsha P Johnson's really important woman for you know queer history and women's history in my opinion so <laughs> oh, well, I think this next one's all yours maybe <laughs> oh god you just you just doing this to oh, freaking ground pounder military traditions and cross dressing and drag. Well, there is actually a large history of this in the Army, too. In World War II and World War I, they would do drag shows where frontline soldiers would get full drag, do their entire show, and then they would ship those videos back home and sell them to raise money for the war. Really? Wait, what? Seriously, oh, yeah. they're huge. And right after, right after the, like, literally right after the show was done, they take off their dress, they take off their makeup, and they go right back into the trenches. Mm-hmm. There's some fantastic pictures of World War II coastal defense batteries of where they were in the middle of a drag show and they're that they got the alert. So they're manning the guns with their helmets on in dresses and it's just 10 out of 10. <laughs> Why haven't I been taught this or like been it's a yeah, it's well, historical erasure. It, it's like even up until like I think one of the more popular shows would be Mash. Like mm-hmm. there was a doctor in there that always dressed as in full drag because Clinger. he wanted cleaner because yeah. he wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. Thing is, that was legit. People back then still did that. Like in Vietnam, people would dress in like full dress, like because mm-hmm. they felt like it and they had fun. Yeah, and drag is a big part of military. It, it's a way to relax and have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Quite often that sometimes it'd be trans women that'd be, you know, that trans women that are in the closet having fun. Oh, that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. They can like show their side, like, mm-hmm. yeah. and then express themselves and not be judged. Well, not really. Are they? I don't know. That Well, <laughs> it's safe, you know, that yeah. it's, you don't really admit it. Everyone's doing it. No one's looking at you. Mm. Wow. I I'm just, I was like, this whole episode, I'm just a sponge absorbing everything in. Yeah. Like, you let me ramble you, for like... That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I got permission to ramble on a microphone. Thank you. I mean, it's the most dangerous by all thing. means. It's, yeah. It's very dangerous to let her ramble, but it's always fun. <laughs> hmm. Thank you, Aubrey. Thank you so much for being and wanting to be part of the podcast. I know we're a little small, but we're trying to get up there. And any time that y'all want to be included in an episode, we'll let... Ricardo, Ricardo now okay. let you know and be like if you want to just come up with an episode like we would be more than happy to have you here like wow I'm just like mind blown with all the things that I didn't know and like I'm trying Ricardo, to still process you didn't even give us none, you didn't even tell us none of this beforehand <laughs> like a little prehistoric military or navy yeah okay well, so okay. that'll be it for this podcast episode well, thank and, you for having us oh thank you for being here thank you it for was, joining it was a pleasure thank you oh, this has been chill bites podcast stay hydrated, stay hydrated. three two one stay hydrated oh, 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 no we're being dragged no <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>